Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you'd also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Good morning. Good to see you guys. So glad you're here today. I'll tell you what to do. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, I'm glad you're here. All right. And I want you to jump out to the people that's online and love on them and scream and shout, we're glad you're here. Yes. Thank you for watching online. Those of you from everywhere. So glad that you are here. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church today. We are stoked and we are excited about what God is doing. Despite what's going on in the crazy world around us, we love Jesus. So let's give some love most of all to Jesus right now. Lift the roof off this place. Man, we love him. So, so glad you are here. We've been in a series called Chaos and... I don't know about you, but when you think about chaos, chaos is an, a state of confusion, a state of disorder. And that is really what we see going on around us. So how many of you would agree with me, you see that going on in the world around us? Would you say yes? Yes, that's what's taking place. And so when chaos is going on around us, chaos in our culture, and chaos affects our lives. It affects our homes. It affects us in a myriad of different ways. So really, when you think about chaos and why is chaos, the first week I talked about why is chaos, and it's because of sin. Sin is missing the part, therefore not to be able to receive the prize. And so if you're involved in sin, you miss the mark and you do things that, that makes God unhappy. And then last week I talked about, about chaotic matrimony. And that chaos that goes on can in infiltrate our marriages and we don't do the things we used to do in order to be able to continue loving on our bride or loving on our groom as we said we do when we say I do. Now today I'm going to move forward and we're going to talk about parental chaos. Now I know that you'll agree with me, especially those of you that are in the thick of parenting right now. How many of you would lift your hand and say, man, parenting can be chaotic? Raise your hand. Yes, people raising two hands. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I agree with you 100% that it can be. So some of you are thinking right now, absolutely, I'm a single parent. It's not chaotic. It's absolutely impossible to be able to raise my kids and to be able to do things right right now. And there's all kinds of different people here. But then you have the empty nesters in the room. Look around. Look around you right now. They're the ones with the biggest smile on their face <laughs> at this moment. Because, man, we can love on them grandkids, especially if you have grandkids, and send them back home stanking. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, uh, but then, you know, there's all kinds of myriad of people here in the house today. You've got the grandparents, man. That's what we do. Grandparents, we love on them and send them back home. And then we have the boomerang parents. They're the ones when the kids, they send them off. And next thing you know, they're back. And so don't you raise your hand. Don't even act like it's you or anything, especially if they're sitting beside your kid or nothing. Just uh, give them a look, you know. Then there's the brand new parents, brand new parents. Now, I want to ask this, if you don't mind, with brand new parents. If you are a brand new parent and you have children that are two years old and under, would you mind sharing your love with us? Just, just, just raise your hand just for a minute. Yes, got some over. Let's have a moment of prayer for them. 
Because I tell you what, man, I tell you what, I remember the thick of those days, you could not keep enough diapers and you could not keep enough wipes. And I'll tell you what, if we washed our car seat, pulled the cover out, washed it once, I did it a dozen times. Because I don't care what kind of diapers you get. I don't care if you get Walmart brand or Huggies. That crap comes up the back right there. That's exactly what it does. It comes up the back and it gets all over the car seat and everywhere else and it stinks, okay? That's just what it does. And somebody say, I don't think you ought to talk about crap in church. How many of you parents are with me and said, that's happened to us. It's come up the back. Raise your hand. Yeah, see, look at them. Everybody in here. It's come up the back. You know what I'm talking about. So we're just going to get real, okay? But anyway, when you think about other parents, there's another group in here. You're not really parents. You don't have any kids. You don't want any kids. You don't even like kids. You don't even want to live near kids. So, but anyway, today, even though I'm going to talk about parental chaos, every person here, those of you on the other side of the lens of that camera and every person here can apply what I'm going to talk about today for your life. So if you're ready to jump into the Word of God, give God praise for the Word of God. It's Him. All right? So, with that being said, I want to be able to share some things with you today that's important. So, uh, hopefully I can go by memory, okay? But uh, one thing that we need to be able to give our kids is because the world that they live in is that they need, they need confidence. Would y'all agree with that? Kids need confidence because they go into the, these war zones we call schools a lot of times, and, and we have wonderful teachers and go- godly teachers. I, y'all give some love for the teachers in the house here today. Give some love to them. However, you cannot control how other kids treat you. So you're trying to find where you fit. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't fit in the right clique of kids that you feel like you fit in, it causes you to be insecure boys or girls. So you got to do everything you can do to teach your children to have confidence in who they are. Here's something else that's very important is character. You got to be able to be able to teach your kids character and have the character of Christ. They get the character of Christ if they watch in your life. Because if your life don't have the character of Christ, they're going to develop a character whether it's good or whether it's bad. You follow me? Say yes. Then here's something else very important. It's called conviction. This is something that a lot of churches don't even talk about conviction anymore. And I'm not being, I'm not being negative, I'm not trying to be critical, but they don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. They do what they can do to keep the seats full and the offerings high. That's just what they do. Okay. Just be, I'm just, if you listen to me, you're going to, I'm going to just tell you straight of it. Okay. But anyway, my point is when it comes to kids, we got to be sure that we teach them about conviction, that when they do something wrong and need to feel bad about it, need to make amends about it, need to pray and ask Jesus to forgive them for what they've done. Here's something else that's important you need to teach your kids. You need to be able to teach them to have compassion and to quit looking at themselves. It's all about me and all about mine, me, 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 all that kind of stuff. We need to teach them about having compassion for other people, other things going on. It's not just about them. Somebody else has it worse. It's important. But also, you need to be able to teach your kids to be able to have Competence. Competence is so important. And whatever that is, you begin to look at what their strengths are and the things that they're good at, and you help them build upon those things. You understand what I'm saying? They need to be competent in those things, and you begin to help them to build on that for their life. But here's what I'm going to tell you. These things are, are so crucial in life, not only for kids, but for all of us. But if, people, if the kids don't have this right here, 
then the rest of it is null and void. That's not an, that's an L there, okay? All right. If you don't have responsibility, none of these other things, such as confidence, character, conviction, compassion, and competence will not happen. Now, today it's going to be quiet. Last service, you could have heard a pin drop. I heard somebody's belly growling in the very back, back yonder. It was so quiet in here. I'm just being funny, but it was like that. So today, we're going to talk about that as a main part of what we're talking about. But here's something I want you to get in the Word of God. Psalm 127, beginning with verse 3, says, Children are a gift from the Lord. I know sometimes it don't feel like it. It feels like a curse because some of you are raising some hellions right now, okay? And you would tell me stories about how that they're about to drive you crazy. But remember, they're a gift. Say gift. From the Lord. Lord. That's what they are. It's a word. It says, they are a reward from him. Might not feel like a reward. You might want to recluse or something to get away from them, okay? But it says, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. Arrows in a warrior's hand. And every one that you put in your quiver, one day you're going to launch into a world and you're not going to be there to coddle them, comfort them, and be able to create atmospheres to make them feel good about themselves. They will be in a world of responsibility on their own, and what you do now is going to determine how it turns out then. The rest of the next verse says this. It says, how joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. I know sometimes it don't feel so joyful. Especially when you're in the thick of the season of raising your kids. But what do you do from a gift from the Lord? You you just think about that. God gave you a gift. What do you do with a gift? You better believe that that's thoroughly and so important for your life. And, And some of you think, well, you just don't understand, Pastor. I just wish we could have some silence around the house. Well, when you're raising kids, silence around the house could be very suspicious, you know. I don't know about you, but there are, you know, there's silence. Something could be going on. But how do you, what do you do when God's given you a gift and your quiver's got several of them in it? One day you're going to launch them into the world. What do you do right now? I think Paul summed it up in his, in his, in his letter to the Ephesus church for the Ephesians and Look what it says here that's applicable to us today. It says in chapter 5, very familiar scripture, verses 15 through 17, it says, So be careful. Say, be careful. How you live. Don't, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. How many of you old enough remember when Samper and son and, uh, and uh, his aunt, his, 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 his sister's uh, husband would come in and, and call him, yo, fool. How many remember that? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Well, it's not nice to call somebody a fool, but you shouldn't live like a fool either. That's what he's saying here. Don't live like a fool, but those who are wise make the most of every, what's that next word? In these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. That means you're you're pointed in what you're thinking. 
But understand what the Lord wants you to do. See, like during the Apostle Paul's day, he was communicating the urgency of evil's pervasiveness. That's what he's talking about. And though daily parenting, I know, can be chaotic, we have to keep our standards high and we've got to always act wisely. And, and I know the nature of this. And when it comes to kids, we all want to protect our kids. We want to be able to protect them from anything that's going on. That protective mechanism is built into parents. But however, say however to the person next to you, it can foster a spirit of irresponsibility in our kids. So let's talk about some traits of irresponsibility. One of them is apathy. So what do you mean? Well, it ended up, when you do these kind of things I'm talking about, you end up getting a child that the kids think that they don't have to care about anything, anybody, or at, at all about being responsible. So what do you do as parents? We end up solving all the problems for them. We end up picking up things after them. We end up just making them not do anything that you really down deep inside you know they need to do. We often give them money, and money's not free, except for the government. That's different, okay, you know, but money's not free. So you're teaching them these things. So kids learn that they really don't have to do much of anything or care about anything. I'll tell you another trait of irresponsibility is the blame game. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The blame game is what started in the garden. We know that Adam was blaming Eve and Eve was blaming the serpent. That is what is happening. And you know where kids understand what blame is? They watch their parents because they blame everybody else for everything if you're not careful living in that, that point. You end up doing that in your life. And so those little lies are upon you. Then all of a sudden, the teacher, the teacher at school, they come home and say, I've made a bad grade, Mom. Well, you didn't make a bad grade. Honey, your teacher's just stupid, you know. Uh, you didn't make a bad grade. Oh, son, I, I, you're not getting a play. I, listen, I know the coach is not playing you, but listen, you're much better than any other player on the team. Your, your coach is just lame. That's all it is. That's the kind of stuff that comes out of a lot of parents' mouth because they love their kids so much. They say, honey, listen, I know, I know that the kids at school are calling you Dumbo because your ears are a little wider than somebody else, but they're not calling you Dumbo because they don't love you. They're calling you Dumbo because they love Disney World. You know, we can come up with some of the craziest stuff. To always play the blame game is to be lame. That's the bottom line to it. We hear a lot today about rights, but we don't hear a whole lot about responsibility. We have a bill of rights in this country, but I think we need a bill of responsibility in this country. Are you with me, church? That's what we need. We hear a whole lot about entitlements. You don't hear much about obligations. You hear a whole lot about myself, but we hear a lot about other people. We hear a whole lot about choices, but we don't hear a whole lot about commitment. Check his picture out right here. Check his picture out right here. <laughs> there we go. Does anybody know what this is called here? It's called the Wall of Moms, where a protest is taking place. Now, I, in their defense, I do not know any of these moms. I do not know their life. I don't know where they are with God. I know nothing about it. 
But what they did is band together as a wall of moms saying that they were going to basically protect the rights of their kids to be able to protest. Now, I don't know if their kids were protesting and started rioting and burning people's businesses down and doing all that. No, I don't know any of that. But here's my question for each one of these moms or any other mom. You're trying your best to protect your kids' rights. But my question for each one of these moms or any other mom, are you teaching them responsibility? Because here's what I do know. When you're a responsible person, it's hard to find time to skip work to be able to go and protest somewhere, okay? When you're you're responsible, it's hard to find time to meddle in somebody else's business. When you're you're a responsible person, it's hard for you to get caught up in sinful things because you've got things to do. You follow what I'm saying? If you understand what I'm saying, say yes. Give God glory. I mean, give God glory. Something else is a care for me mentality. That's another issue. This happens when parents do not teach their kids to carry their own weight. It's vital that they carry their own weight. This entitlement mentality has taken place and taken root and is growing in this country that the world owes me. I deserve it. And with rapid expansion of government intervention, this sending a message that we're going to try to take care of you from the cradle to the grave. It's really easy to spend somebody else's money, isn't it? Till it's gone. It's very sad. This care for me mentality, you know what it does? It's killing the very purpose for which God created my kids and your kids, your grandkids and my grandkids, and their future for their lives. Kids and and there's adults, they have this mentality. I have the right to everything everyone else has. Everything is fair. That's the world. By the way, if you haven't noticed that we live in a care for me mentality. As parents, we have to allow, listen to me closely. As parents, we have to allow consequences for our kids so they learn personal responsibility. If you're not willing to allow them to do that and you just bail them out every time they get into something, they're never going to be responsible for themselves because they've never experienced any kind of consequences for their actions. That is a fact. Look at Proverbs 27 and 12. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton, and when you say a simpleton, what does that mean? It means a foolish or gullible person goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Listen, if we don't allow our kids to be able to experience fair consequences in their lives, they are going to remain a foolish, gullible person and never, ever, ever develop a sense of responsibility. You say, Pastor, you seem very, very passionate about this. Because my heart's broken for what I see going on. And as a flock here and leading you, I want your kids to be able to experience the very purpose for which God created them. And blood is flowing through their veins. I want them to be responsible, contributing, loving adults that are confident, that have great character in Christ. They are convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. They love and are compassionate to other people. And they are competent, taking the very gifts that God gave them and using it in a world that needs Jesus. That's so important. Man, it's heartbreaking. Parents, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to do a self-evaluation. Are you in your life contributing to a lack of irresponsibility in your kids' lives? And here's what I know about you, and you would not be here otherwise. 
I know that you mean well, and I know you want what's best for your kids. But in your minds, thinking, I'll just help them this once. And, and, and I know they should probably be doing it themselves, but they'll be able to do that soon enough. I just can't help myself. Listen, parents, I love every single one of you, but I'm going to be very candid with you. If you're the parent I just described, then you are crippling your kids because they'll grow up if you continue in that manner and be totally inadequate and prepared for life out there without you. It's that important. If you continue, they're not going to be able to help other people because they can't even help themselves. They'll live life being a taker, not a giver like God teaches us to be. They have got to suffer consequences in order to learn personal responsibility. Man, I'll never forget one time when I was real young. I was probably, I don't know, 12, 11, 12, 13, I don't remember. But my brother had this huge, huge trunk, you know, and stuff. And I got wind, he had all these pennies rolled up in there. You know what I did? I stole them. I did. I figured he'll never look in that trunk and notice all them pennies he's rolled up's gone. D-U-M-B, dumb, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B. When he found out that his pennies was gone, you know what my mother let him do to me? Beat me up. And he did. But I'll tell you one thing that I never did again. I never touched anything of his again unless I asked to borrow it or something like that. I learned a great life vital lesson. And unless you allow your kids, and I'm not saying let the brothers beat them up. Don't go home and send me an email, Pastor. I'm going to let them beat them up. They took their bicycle and didn't ask them. No, 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 don't do that, please. I'm just saying this is what happened to me. Whatever it is, you've got to let them learn some things and go through some consequences in order to learn responsibility. And, you know, and it just kills me when I look at the things and I look, kids and I got grandkids and responsibility. It starts when you, whenever they're little and they're old enough to know right from wrong, they got to have consequences that is associated with boundaries. And every kid, every kid, say every kid needs boundaries. And if you don't have boundaries in their life, they're going to rebel. But if boundaries in their lives is tied to consequences and they don't actually happen in their lives, what's going to happen? They are never going to learn responsibility. You see parents all the time. I mean, and I've been guilty of it too. How many of you parents here have counted to three with your kids? Raise your hand. Yes. Counting to three is just fine if you ever get to three. Right? You just don't ever get to three. It's just like one half, two, two and a half, two and three quarter. You know, you just don't ever get there. And we often as parents, what do we do? We cave in. And I guess you can go to the party. I know you know what you did, don't you? But I'm going to let you go. I understand. Uh, you want to go to the game. You do understand, you know, yeah, well, I, I guess I'll let you go to the game. Or Yeah, I know you want to go across the street and play with your friends, but you do know you did this. And they just keep on and on and find it. What do you do? Oh, you can go play with your friends. They just, just cave in. And you, you, you always want to say, well, you learned your lesson, haven't you? <laughs> no, parents. Well, consequences, they've learned nothing but that you cave in. And that's it. They learn mom and dad will always cave in. I love what the late, great Winston Churchill said. He said, the price of greatness is responsibility. 
Think about that. So today, what would be the right choices of responsibility? When we personally accept responsibility of our choices in life, then we can build not just a successful life, but we can build a significant life for ourselves and for our kids to pattern their lives after. And I'll tell you one of the, it's it's very important that we just simply lead by example. And most likely your kids are going to become who you are or who you're not. That's what's going to happen by your example or lack thereof. First and foremost, it is you got to choose financial responsibility. It's very, very, very important that you make that choice. And, you know, we we live in this instant gratification society. Man, we just got to buy now. We got to pay later. And it's just really gotten really sad that we don't live with good stewards because we have this instant gratification thing. Ramsey's solution, I, I looked on there and I found these stats. And stats are subjective, but they're pretty close and it gives an idea of where we're at. But the average car loan in this nation right now is over $30,000. I don't know if you knew that. The average student loan debt right now is 29K and above. I don't know if you knew that as well. Average credit card balance for homes in America is $15,000. And I don't know if you knew this, but for every dollar that Americans are making right now, they're spending $1.27. You do the math. And this was so shocking to me when I read this. 57% of homes in America do not have a budget. I mean, it's just flippantly running through life. Listen, you bring in this much right here, you need to spend this much. The problem is we're bringing in this much and we're going to spend this much because we can get it out there. You know, I mean, golly, that's that's just ludicrous in our thinking. It's very sad. And, it, you know, I'm, I mean, I hate for Shannon to tell me on our every dollar budget app how much money I have because the issue is I'm spending October, this is September. Because I'm a more of a free spirit than she is. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, when it's gone, I don't get it, okay? She, she just told me this morning, uh, you, I think she said I had $230 left in my personal blow money. I don't mind telling you that for the month of October. And I said, what you talking about, Willis? So she had to explain to me the monies that I had left. You follow what I'm saying? So it's important that we have a budget and we work on that. So true. But, but God says it's foolish if you're spending your money and do not save. Look what it says in Proverbs 21 and 20. It says the wise have, have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Why is this such a big deal? Because you're not only hurting yourself, but your example is financially detrimental to your kids and to their future. Do you know the number one cause of divorce is not adultery? The number one cause of divorce is not a marital abuse. The number one cause of divorce is debt. It's no longer till death do we part in your vows. It's till debt do we part. And it's very sad in that nature of that. And here's what I will tell you. God is saying here, this is not smart. So I asked you, are you, twofold question. Are you practicing financial responsibility and are you teaching your kids to practice financial responsibility? A great way to do it would be a 10-10-80 plan. Get a little box, get a little something, teach them to give away 10 right off the top of whatever they get. My kids done it out of their birthday money and everything. Everything they brought in, they did that. They saved 10%, they live on the rest. 
a great, great plan. When they get big enough to be able to open a bank account, take them to open a bank account. Teach them how to reconcile. Teach them what it is to be responsible for the money. Because when if you're not responsible for it, things get out of whack. And those fees are very expensive. And you and I know that have, that have ever went through that. So you live on less than what you make. And God says that's being financially responsible. The oil tycoon John D. Rockefeller, when he was living, he was considered the richest and most wealthiest man in the world. And someone asked him how that he amassed such a fortune. And I quote him, he said, it's real simple. He said, I give the first 10% as a tithe back to God. I save 10% and I live on the other 80%. God uses money as a test of our responsibility to see if he can trust you and me with more. And that's where it's at. And if you can't be trusted with what you've got to honor him and to be able to save and to be able to live on that other, why in the world would you think he'll give you more? So let me say this, if your money's in a mess and you really need help in that area, we have financial counselors here that are qualified in our church. You can just anonymously come to our finance people. You don't have to tell anybody else. We will help you to be able to get things on track and help you in life. Be glad to do that. But leading by God's example and financial responsibility and, and being able to teach our kids his plan is the very best financial plan that you could ever teach them. I'll tell you something else that's important of responsibility to choose. you got to choose to control my reactions. Now, I know a lot of times, many things in life gets out of control. We know that. You have no control over the pandemic. We have no control over tornadoes and wildfires. We have no control over somebody getting sick. We have no control if somebody started riding in town and burning down a business. We have no control of that. But I do have the opportunity to control our, my reaction to it, and so do you. So the example of being responsible is to be responsible with the emotions that you have when you something comes at you. It's very, very important. So with that being said, especially when your kids are watching you, what you're doing at that moment. Look at Proverbs 29 and 11 here, because this is the key to how you handle life's problems in the realm of your emotions. It says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. How many times, and don't, don't raise your hand, but how many times have you lost your cool and your kids saw you do it? There's a big difference between responding and reacting. And I'm going to teach this. When I get sick of saying it, I hope you're getting it. But something's going to happen in life because that's life. So when it hits you, if your emotions aren't in check with the Holy Spirit, then you may react all of a sudden. And next thing you know, you're trying to clean up the mess that you've made and your kids are watching you do it. Or you can step back out of that situation for a moment and ask the Holy Spirit of God, God, how do I respond to this situation? How do I respond the way, Lord, that you would have me to that would not only honor you, but it would be a great witness for my kids? See, there's a big difference between responding and reacting, especially in the realm of your emotions, because those little arrows are watching every move that we make and how we do in this life. Jesus said that we'll be responsible even for the very words that comes out of our mouth. That's what he said in his word. So I've got to put my mind in gear before I put this mouth in motion. 
Some of you thinking, I wish you just keep preaching to them. I'm glad you're sitting here. Just keep preaching to them. I'm glad you're sitting here. No, no, no. I'm, you receive this, okay? Because it's that important. It's, we got to put everything through God's responsibility filter, especially when it comes to losing your cool. You got to take a step back. You got to respond because your kids are going to watch you how you respond to life because life's going to keep happening. Look at Romans 12 and 21. It says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You got to stop trying to get even with the people that hurt you. Hurts are going to keep coming. That is this life. And your kids are going to witness you if you have that revengeful spirit. Every time somebody does something to you, especially if you react in that moment and do something that really you're regretting later. And when we try to get even with people, what do we do? We've just simply lowered ourselves to their standards. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a problem with stupid drivers. I do. Don't laugh at me. How many of you here have a problem with stupid drivers? Raise your hand. Look across the auditorium. I got two choices when I enter into a situation of a stupid driver. I can either flip them off or I can fling them a prayer. Right? What's going to be more effective? Some of you said flip it off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You don't know why they cut you off. If it's putting their life in danger and your life in danger, most likely it's probably not something that that's, that something could be going on in their life that they need you to fling a prayer toward their life. Are you with me? Say yes. It's that important, that important for their lives. You know, I, I just it just blows my mind. We've got to learn to forgive. And when we mess up, just tell God, God, you handle it. You handle it, God. And teach your kids that God always settles the score when you get hit in this life. Something else you got to do. You got to choose to guard, guard your mind. It's that important. You say, what do you mean? This is an area I believe for Christians that have been Christians for a long, long time, they're still acting very irresponsible in. And it's amazing the things that people that call them Christians, they allow their eyes to see and they allow their ears to hear, not to mention their kids and their home. Proverbs 15 and 14 says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. Christians who feed on trash Think about that. A Christian feeding on trash. You don't get what it's doing to you. You don't get what it's doing to your life. You don't get what it's doing to your mind. You don't get what it's doing to your kids. When you watch trashy shows or those soft porn things called soap operas, or you don't get what it's doing when you have a magazine or something in the house, or you have some kind of book that you're reading, or you're watching some kind of crazy, filthy porn movie called Fifty Shades of Grey. You say, Pastor, you meddling. Oh, don't take it up with me. You take it up with Jesus. And we say, well, we just teach our kids, you know, we explain to them, this is what you're going to see. And then when we get to this part, I just need you to cover your eyes. Do as I say, not as I do, is of the devil. So who's teaching you going to follow? You're going to follow his are you going to follow the devils? And how's thing going? How's that working out for you, as Dr. Phil says? Seriously. Are you kidding me? 
Anybody takes those moves and goes that direction, you definitely ain't kidding God because your memory stores up garbage for years and years and years. What you put in your mind, it goes into your heart and then it comes out of your life in your behaviors and in your beliefs. And you know what it ends up doing? It weakens your values and you lose strength. You lower your standards for things that's going on. And Satan is really, really good at getting you to sin and getting you to laugh at sin. Jesus died on a cross for me and you, gave his life's blood for me and for you. How funny is that, that he died for me and you? He said, well, come on, pastor. You meddling? You just, you just need to be open-minded. No, I think your minds need to close for some Holy Ghost repair is what I think. If you're in any situation like this, when you have these beautiful arrows that God has gifted you with, it's so, so important. When your kids see you feeding on that trash, no matter how bad it stinks, they're going to think, mom and dad do it. It's got to be okay. It's got to be okay. However, when you are feeding on the truth, look what it says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge. That's what it says in Proverbs 15, 14. When a wise person is feeding on the truth, that's what will set you and your kids free and the character becomes what you feed on, whether it's good or whether it's bad. The last thing is, I want to challenge you to always choose to admit your mistakes. Let's admit our mistakes. This day and time, it's just really sad. You see a lot of people, and they walk around with pride, and, and they don't want to choose that, it, it, to make that moment to where, especially as an example for your kids, that I made a mistake, I messed up, will you forgive me? It's so hard for people seemingly to do that this day. And it boils down who are you are led by. Are you led by the Holy Spirit that's going to convict you to, so that you can have the character of Christ and have confidence in Him? He's going to be there for you because you care about other people more than you and you're going to take the gifts that He has for you and use them for His glory and honor? That's what it boils down to. Proverbs 28, 13, look what it says. A man who, and this is from the Living Bible. I love how it reads. It says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. God gives you another chance when you're willing to admit it, and I was wrong. And man, we need to come to God and say, God, I am so sorry. Thank you. We get the opportunity to be able to confess to God, to be able to surrender to God, to get it right with our great God. Because what ends up happening a lot of times under the stress and the struggles and the strains, especially throughout this year, 2020, I've heard so many people say, I wish 2020 was gone. I wish 2020 would end because of all the stress and the struggles and people are going through and the pressures that comes along with it. And, and you know, even in life itself, without those added stresses coming to you, you're, if you're not careful, you'll react in the flesh, and the Spirit has nothing to do with it. But when you pull back from it and you allow the conviction of God through His Holy Spirit and the relationship you have with Jesus, you pull back from it and then you respond in a godly way. And even if you had thoughts that were not godly, you say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. I shouldn't have been thinking that way. God, I need to surrender to you. I need you to be the authority in my life. I need you to lead me in my life. I need to be an example to my kids. I need to be compassionate with those around me. You get to give a grand example to your kids, even when you have blown it. 
couple of weeks ago, uh, Jonathan Nicole Vaughn wanted to eat lunch with Shannon and I, and she wanted to share a story of, with us how that life hit them between the eyes so fast and so quick and pressures, and, and she began to share with us how God got her attention and how that God basically brought conviction upon her and, and how things was, and because life's tough, especially when you're parenting kids. And so I'd just like for you to hear the story of redemption and how God moves when you admit that you make mistakes and how God takes that and does things. Even in our thinking sometimes, we begin to be pulled a different direction. But then God was able to love on them and pull them in the right direction. Check this out. for a long time to tell my story and share my story um, with others. I uh, found out in November of 2019 that I was pregnant with my third baby girl. We had a, at that time, 13, 14 month old who was a really hard baby. She was sick a lot. She didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. Um, and I was probably at the highest stress level I'd ever been. And then November came and found out that I was pregnant and as much as I wish my reaction was not what it was um, I just fell into the floor and I cried for hours I felt terrible for my husband because he didn't know what to do um, I felt terrible and guilty because I was not happy and it was just almost immediate after finding that positive that I just completely displaced myself that I disconnected myself I didn't even want to believe it was true I immediately emailed my doctor um, I convinced myself that the pregnancy didn't exist. I didn't want it to exist. I didn't want it to continue. And um, I did not want to go to church that next Sunday. We've been coming here and I just told my husband I got up and I told him I wasn't going. And he said, yes, you're going to church. And that was when um, Freedom had started with their partnering for um, the Christmas time and the Crisis Pregnancy Center was part of that. And in the service, I kept feeling like Pastor Key just kept talking to me and talking to me. And I, I was mad. I was mad at God. I was mad at myself. I was mad at my husband. I was mad at the whole world, and I didn't want to listen. And then towards the end of the service, again, the Crisis Pregnancy Center um, was televised on the screen. And at that point, I just, I just ha felt like I needed to walk away, and I didn't want to come back to church again the next week. And my husband said, no, we're going. And so we went and I just remember thinking, God, I know that you're trying to talk to me, but I don't want to listen to you right now. As I look back on it, you just keep hearing my, 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 my. And again, that perception of perfection, my family, you know, we, you know, looked at like, we're, we're these perfect beings, like you're young and you have a nice house and you have great jobs and you have two beautiful baby girls and you should have everything and you should feel so happy and that there's nothing wrong with your life except for people who have that perception. We do go through those things. I did have a negative in my life. I didn't want this pregnancy. I contemplated ending my pregnancy. I just remember finally sharing very much later in my pregnancy sharing with my family that I was pregnant and it was literally as if God 
had just swooped down and pulled the negativity, Satan, whatever was happening within me, and I just felt overwhelming peace. And I had never felt that in my life before, and it was the first time, and I finally felt connected to people who struggle. And I feel like God put me in a position to say, you may have never felt this in your life before, but this is what other people are going through. This is real feelings, people's lives, people at, at their bottom. And if you just surrender to me, I will completely take your worries away. And God had this beautiful pregnancy for me. I had a wonderful delivery um, after having a very scary delivery with my first one. Um, everything just couldn't have been better. And I can't imagine my life without this baby. Um, she's literally changed my world. Having this pregnancy has changed the way that I look at people going through really hard times. It changes the way that I look at people who seemingly are perfect. I needed to stop saying my plan, my wants and my needs and let God move in my life the way that he wants to. And as I've surrendered to do that, I felt an overwhelming peace and through that, I feel like sharing my story, I finally feel comfortable enough saying, I made these negative decisions. I was taken away from who I was, but God provided and restored after I surrendered. And I feel like that's all he wants of all of us, to love, surrender, and allow him to work through our lives and use us as vessels for him. There isn't a greater one that you and I can place our trust in. There is not a greater one that you and I can surrender to. There is not a greater one that we can lead our children to trust now and for their future than Jesus Christ our Lord. So the question begs for this, why do we choose to live responsibly? Why do we do that? It's simple because God really does care about me. God cares about you. God cares about your kid. God, God cares about this generation. God cares about all future generations. And here's what I know about this life. This life is just simply a warm-up act for eternity. And in eternity, you and I are going to be rewarded for according to our responsibility and according to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so once you know Jesus, then you are going to be looked at at judgment at what he gave you. When he gave you salvation, when he gave you life, when he gave you his gifts, when he gave you your health, when he gave you your treasures, when he gave you those beautiful children, those arrows that you're going to launch one day out of your life. See, we're all going to give a personal account at Judgment Day. And also, we give an account because our lives affects other people. Our lives affects people around us. We're not independent. We're not dependent. We're to be interdependent on each other because the choices that you and I make affect somebody whether you believe it or not. But the ultimate reason that you and I need to choose to live our lives responsibly is because God blesses that. That's what he does. He blesses us in doing that. He rewards us in that. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 2 in the Old Testament says, You will experience all these blessings if, if, say if, you obey the Lord your God. How many of you here 
want every single blessing that God has for your life. Would you lift your hand? Say, I want every one of them. Jesus, I want them all. I don't want to miss a one. Well, here's what I will tell you. God wants to do that in your life, but it's up to you for, to allow him to lead you there. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we love you so much and we honor you today and we praise you today and thank you, God. My prayer, God, is a prayer for obedience, God, in every person's life, either on the other side of that camera or those in this beautiful auditorium. God, I pray a prayer, God, today, Lord, that you will look at us, God, and we will consider, God, that our lives has influence. And I pray, God, for all of us, God, that we're going to be totally responsible, that we're going to lead our very lives uh, by example, God, of you, Lord. I pray for our kids, God, that you'd have your hand upon them and find us faithful, God, to turn the curve towards you if it needs to go that direction. And I pray in the name of Jesus that these moments, God, of response are going to be amazing, God. We're going to take the time to do that. As we continue praying, there's no doubt in my mind that every single one of you want the very best for your kids and for your grandkids. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come to this special place up front here to pray for yourself and your life of responsibility and to pray for yourself to be able to be totally responsible in God and to be able to lead your kids to do that. You want power at a time like this. You need power for yourself. You need power for your kids. You need power for your family because God gave you these gifts that you're going to launch one day and you're not going to be there to make every decision for them and coddle them. It's going to be what you do now that makes a difference in their future. So don't hold back if you're here. Come and pray in just a moment. If your spouse is with you, take them by the hand and come. Single parents, let me talk to you for a moment. God bless you for being here. It's going to get better because of God, okay? I know it's tough for you right now. I'm asking you to step out. Grandparents, maybe you're influencing or maybe you're raising some, some of your grandkids. I'm asking you to come. Some of you have never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And if he's not Lord of your life, he's not Lord at all in your life. You need to come as the conviction of the Spirit of God is drawing you to come. And he's nudging your heart to come. Don't, don't hold back because Jesus shed his life's blood for you that you could be saved, that you could be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God and be totally changed. You need power for that parenting. You need power as a mom and dad. So I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And when I get done praying, I want you to come and we're going to have a special prayer together. Father, right now, God, I pray and rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that this response time will be life-changing, God. For those who need that life change and strengthen you, bless them as they come in Jesus' name right now. Amen. Come right on as they sing.
prayed, those of you still up here, I want to pray with everyone. I really want you to seek God right now like never before because your example to them is what they're going to carry out of your home. Father, just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, just I, I come to you in your presence, God. I, I want to be the best mom. I want to be, I want to be the best dad. I need your power. I need your presence. I need your strength, God. Tell them, say, Lord, I want to be a power-filled parent for your glory and your honor, God. I want to live by your values. I want to live by your word. I want to live by your strength. I want to live, God, for you. Because one day I'm going to shoot those little arrows out of our home. And when they see you, Mom and Dad, asking God for strength, and you make those decisions based on God's word and God's will, that's what they carry with them, God, your example. So I ask them, say, God, I want to be the best example I can be. Find me faithful in Jesus' name. And as we continue to pray right now, I will tell you, if Jesus isn't the Lord of your life, you will not have the power and the strength that you need to live for him. So in his entire audience here and all those on the other side of the camera watching from wherever you're at across the world, if you have not given your life to Christ, Jesus lived this perfect sinless life for you. He shed his life's blood. Without the shedding of blood, the word of God tells us there's no remission of sin. And he died on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for you and for me so that we could have forgiveness of sin. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. And it's by grace that you are saved. So right now, I just want to challenge you to call on him today right where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner and I need you as a savior. Tell him, say, please forgive me, Lord, of everything I've done wrong, the sins I've committed. I ask for you to transform my life. God, I don't want to do what I want to do in my life any longer. I'm yours, God. Tell him, say, Lord, I surrender my whole life to you today. Jesus, save me. My life is yours. Now, if you've truly prayed that from a heart of conviction and you felt the Holy Spirit come into your life and now peace has engulfed you that you could not ever explain with words, praise his holy name today because he has put your name in the book in heaven. Give him honor and praise for that. Somebody gave their life to Jesus in this place today. I believe that. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for the obedience and those that came forward to pray and ask for your strength. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouts. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise, church. All right. Thank you guys so much. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, um, we're going to take the time right now to give back to God. And we're so blessed in this country to be able to live the way we live. And, you know, it's just amazing what God blesses us with. And so, He wants us to bring tithes and offerings to His house. He wants us to be able to, to, be able to further His kingdom. We do that through obedience to His Word, asking us to do that. But also, we get to take part in the vision and the very existence of Freedom Church of being able to reach people to know God. So, thank you for doing that right now. There's multiple ways for you to be able to give. And I think they may put some of those things on the screen, but thank you in advance for doing that. And also, as we get ready to pray over that and ask God's richest blessings over that and on 
on you for being faithful. Uh, if you gave your life to Christ online or in this audience, please take a card in this audience, fill it out, drop it in the offering. You're welcome to come and see me because I'd love to give you a brand new Bible to commemorate this certain day, this day, September 27th, that that happened in your life. Also, with that being said, um, you know, we will follow up with you. We want to know about your decision in that because it's the greatest decision you ever make and it's your decision determines your destiny. So that's very, very important. Also, if you're here and you're brand new today, we call you VIPs because you're a very important person. You know why? Because Jesus loves you and we love you. And we're thankful that you come today. So do me a huge favor if you're brand new. Take a card out of the back of the seat or you click it online there with the connection card online. Take that card here in the, at the, here at the campus and take it out to the info desk and they're going to give you a gift to say thank you for coming today. We're so thankful that you are here. And if you've got questions about the ministry, you've got a prayer request or you're thinking about a next step of baptism or serving or something here, put that on the card and drop it with the ushers and the offering in the back. We'd love to be able to answer your questions and be able to pray for you. So I'm going to pray over the offering and i got two things to tell you. Then we're going to cut you loose for a great time of fun with the Freedom Fair. Father, we love you so much and we praise your holy name. We're blessed beyond measure, God. Thank you for each one here, God, today, and thank you for the opportunity that we have, God. Those watching on around the world or those here on the campus, we have an opportunity right now to give back to you. So we pray that you'll take that and use it for your glory and your honor to further the kingdom and reach people for which Jesus, your son, gave his life for. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. All right. Let's give, let's give God praise one more time. All right. Next week, you don't want to miss the next message in the chaos series. And if you mess with me, I'll start it down and make you wait on lunch, and we'll be fasting and praying in this place. All right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, I'm PMSing. I can't do it. Post messages syndrome. I've done two, so just cut me some slack. All right. So anyway, but anyway, uh, next week chaos continues. I can't wait to share that with you. But right now. Freedom Fair is open out here. There's all kinds of food, fun, rides for adults and kids. I hope and pray that everyone here, you are welcome to stay. Even if you're here for your very first time, we would love for you to go out there and enjoy a great time. I'm going to see you guys out there. Uh, so hang around. If I've never met you, my wife, Jen, and I would love to meet you. God bless you. We love you. Let's have some fun. In Jesus' name. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at Freedom Church TN. We love you. Have a blessed week.